0: talking about our Los Angeles Rams. Let's get to it. Welcome back, Ram fans. Mark from Rams Up Here, episode 305, which means we are going to talk about a Ram player who wore number five, and it's not who you think. That's coming up in a little bit. We also have a mix of power rankings and a loop around the league. And we're going to talk about the Rams' path to the playoffs. That's on everyone's mind after this win over the Cardinals. Hey, here's some fun facts for you. The Rams have beaten three teams this year. That's right. They've beaten three teams. Five wins. They've beaten three teams. And someone posted this on Twitter. Von Miller, a bit of a disappointment in Buffalo. He's getting paid $15 million this year. He signed a six year, $120 million contract. He's played in eight games. He has one tackle, one assist, two hurries, and zero sacks. This, my friends, is what happens when you try to copy what the Rams did. Even though the Bills were the ones that said, hey, we don't want to do what the Rams did and mortgage our future, hey, it's all about the timing. This was bad timing for a six year contract for Von Miller. The Modern Player Hall of Fame semifinalists were announced. I'm not going to go through the whole list, but I'm going to tell you who my front runners are. A little bit of Ram bias going on here, but London Fletcher, yeah, he's my guy. Dwight Freeney, Antonio Gates and Torrey Holt. And the other guy I like for the Hall of Fame is Devin Hester. Hey, this is a guy who's probably the greatest punt returner, kick returner of all time. He belongs in the Hall of Fame. Now let's talk about the Rams' path to the playoffs. And this is muddy waters I'm wading into here. Before the Monday night game between the Bears and Vikings, I saw it alternatively as 27%, 29% chance of the Rams making the playoffs. The number I saw after that game, it was up to 36%. Someone else said 41%, but you get the idea. Now, four of the playoff teams are pretty much already settled. It's going to be the Eagles, Lions, 49ers, and Cowboys. However, the Cowboys will be the fifth seed. The fourth seed will belong, of course, to some team from the NFC South, some undeserving team, actually. But, hey, that's the world we live in. Thought it was going to be the Saints. If they had beat the Falcons, they would have been in the driver's seat for that. Right now, the Falcons are penciled in as the NFC South champion. And the first thing I want to do is point out that in two weeks, we could have five teams chasing those final two wildcard spots, and all five teams could have six and seven records. The Seahawks currently six and five, but they play the Cowboys and the 49ers. Let's say they lose both of those. The Vikings, after that loss to the Bears, they're 6-6. Six and six. They go on a bye, and they come back and travel to Las Vegas. Raiders are also coming off a bye. See how that magically works for some teams? Both teams coming off a bye, and they play each other. The Rams, on the other hand, four times they played teams coming off a bye when they themselves were not. But anyways, the Vikings, let's say they lose to the Raiders. I think the Raiders will be favored in that game. They're playing pretty good football and they're at home. So the Vikings are six and seven. The Packers, five and six. I'd expect them to lose to the Chiefs and then beat the Giants. Man, if the Giants could pull off a win there, that would be great. So the Packers are also six and seven. The Rams, five and six. They play the Browns and the Ravens. Gotta get a split there to get the six and seven. And the Saints, 5-6, and six. they play the Lions and the Panthers, need the Lions to win that game. Saints will beat the Panthers, so they are 6-7. and seven. Two of these teams are going to get to nine wins. And who can get three wins over those last four games? Those are the teams that are going to be in the playoffs. What makes it a little muddier is the fact that we don't know who's going to win the NFC South. I still think it's going to be the Saints. I think they get to 9-8 and eight to win that division. Now, we might root for the Falcons or Bucks to win that division because if the Rams do get to nine wins and there's a tiebreaker, we're going to assume the Rams beat the Saints to get to nine wins and the Rams would have the edge there. Of course, if there's multiple teams in the tiebreaker, I'm not even going to get into that right now. That's a rabbit hole I'm not ready for. What about the Vikings? Can they get to nine wins? They have the Bengals, Lions, Packers, and then the Lions again. I would bet against them. The Packers may have the easiest go of it. After getting to six and seven, they close with the Bucks, Panthers, Vikings, and Bears. So I expect them to get to nine wins, and that could be a problem. The Seahawks, they would be six and seven, and then they still have the Eagles, Titans, Steelers and Cardinals, I would expect them to lose two of those games, if not more, which would put them at 8-9. and nine. The Saints get the Giants and the Rams, the Bucks and the Falcons, not necessarily a gauntlet. Rams got to hand the Saints a loss. So we really might need for the Rams to beat the Saints, but the Saints go on to win that division because the Falcons are looking at a 7-10 and 10 record in my opinion. Maybe eight and nine. So the dream scenario, I believe, is the Saints win the NFC South. The Rams and Packers both finish with nine and eight records. That's my plan and I'm sticking to it. Now, what is our viewers' guide for week thirteen? Who should we be pulling for? We should be pulling for the Cowboys to beat the Seahawks. We should be pulling for the Jets to beat the Falcons and the Panthers to beat the Bucks and I absolutely need the Chiefs to beat the Packers. The Lions-Saints is a tricky one. Again, I think we want the Saints to win that division. But I'm still rooting for the Lions to knock them off. It's a tough call. Your gut instinct is you want the Saints to lose. They're probably going to beat the Panthers next week. So even if they lose, they get to 6-7. and seven. They beat the Giants 7-7. Seven and seven. They lose to the Rams 7-8. and eight. We would need them to beat the Bucks and the Falcons to make sure we're not in a three-way tie for two wild cards. Hey, maybe we win that scenario, but again, a rabbit hole I'm not prepared to cover right now. So in other words, hey, let's just see where the cards fall and hope for the best. Most importantly, Rams need to beat the Browns. And if they can pull off an upset of the Ravens playoffs, here we come. Continuing our series of looking back at players that wore uniform numbers that align with the episode number. And we are on episode 305, and we're going to talk about a RAM player that wore number 5. Now, I'm not always going to do the obvious players. Sometimes I'm going to pull a name from the past that's just a fun guy to talk about. And I'm going to take you back first to the 1984 Los Angeles Rams. Really good defense and a pretty good offense also. On offense, they had Henry Ellard and Eric Dickerson. Pretty strong offensive line. Irv Pankey, Dennis Herrod, Doug Smith, Kent Hill, and a defense led by Jack Youngblood. A bunch of other pretty good players too. Leroy Irvin, Nolan Cromwell, one of my all-time favorites linebackers Mel Owens, Carl Eckern, and Jim Collins. All three of those guys were just pretty good, to be honest with you. The problem they had was the quarterback position. Jeff Kemp was the guy, and he was okay, but the Rams figured they had to make a move, and they did something that really shook the NFL world a little bit. They signed the Canadian Football League quarterback Dieter Brock, the Birmingham Rifle. And he joined the Rams in 1985, as at that time, the oldest NFL rookie ever might still be 34 years old. And he was hopefully the answer for the Los Angeles Rams. And the interesting thing about Dieter Brock is a lot of us probably have somewhat bad memories of that year. He just played the one year for the Rams. Probably consider it a failure based on how the year ended but he actually had a pretty good season. Let's go back and look at his history. He came out of Birmingham, Alabama, played at Auburn and Jacksonville State, signed a one-year deal with the Winnipeg Bombers, back-to-back CFL Most Outstanding Player Awards, ended up getting traded to the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and then eventually signed by the Rams, as I said, in 1985. Now the problem the Rams had that year is that Eric Dickerson held out for the first two games, but came back and Dieter Brock led the team to a 7-0 start, led the Rams to that division title and the number two seed in the NFC playoffs, set a team rookie, 34-year-old rookie granted, a rookie record for passing yards, 2,658, 16 touchdowns, and a passer rating of 81.8. Most of those rookie passing records have been broken. His final game, and that's unfortunately what we're going to remember Dieter Brock for, played that great Bears defense in Chicago at Soldier Field. Windy day, and the Bears win 24 to nothing. And that was the game. I'll never forget this. Hopefully I remember this correctly. Dieter Brock to Bobby Duckworth. Pass gets blown down. Looked like a poor pass. It was really more about the wind and John Madden exclaiming, and I wonder if he had this in his back pocket ready to use. That wasn't a pass to Duckworth, that was a duck to Passworth. And that kind of captured how the day went for the Rams. Bears went on to win the Super Bowl that year, of course. One more year where the Rams came up a little bit short. Came back the next year, got hurt in the first preseason game, a hit by Bo Eason of the Houston Oilers knee surgery, went on to have some back issues, and eventually, and that eventually led to the Rams trading for a draft pick that would land them Jim Everett. So that's one of my favorite number fives, Dieter Brock. He doesn't get the credit he deserves. Actually had a really good season, a single season with the Rams, ended badly in Chicago against the Bears, and then the injury that essentially ended his career. Dieter Brock. Not necessarily the greatest number five that played for the Rams, but perhaps one of the more interesting one-year careers you run across in the NFL. What I'm going to do here is kind of roll my loop around the league and my power rankings into one segment here. And I'm going to start with a review of the teams that I have said are done. And the way this works is when I say a team is done, I do not retreat from that. And there's a couple here that maybe I was a little premature saying their season's done. But once I say they're done, they are done for better or worse. And I have 10 teams that are done. A few of them really aren't even up for discussion. The Panthers are done. The Bears are done. And I called the Broncos season done a while back. And that's one of the teams maybe I was a little premature. They've went on a roll since then. But they have... The Texans, Chargers, and Lions coming up. Right now, they are the number nine seed, so they need to win some games, kind of in the same situation as the Rams. That Broncos-Texans game will be huge. I don't think the Broncos are going to be able to sustain this, and I'm sticking to it. The Broncos season is done. Next up, the Cardinals, the Giants, and the Patriots. I think we all agree on that. And the Commanders, another team I threw into this bucket, a couple of weeks ago the Bengals they are now 5 and 6 but they're fourth in their division and they're rolling with a backup quarterback so I feel comfortable with that and then the Titans and my newest addition the New York Jets 4 and 7 and I don't know what's going on with their quarterback situation either I'm almost half expecting to call myself now, I got two teams that are on the brink. One is the Bucs. You know, they're four and seven, but they're one game out of first place in their division, so can't hardly count them out. And a team I really hemmed and hawed about whether they should be considered done for this year the four and seven LA Chargers. I'm not counting them out yet. They got the Patriots, Broncos, and Raiders coming up. Probably need to win all three, to be honest with you. Here, remember over a year ago, I think everybody was saying, man, the Dolphins blew it. They took Tua. Could have had Herbert. I think it's kind of flipped now. Herbert struggling and Tua leading the top offense in the league, in my opinion. So that's 12 teams, 10 who are done, two that are on the brink. And I'm going to give you 10 teams who are not in my top 10 And I'm going to come out and tell you right now, my number 10 team is the Buffalo Bills. And I just could not put any of these teams above the Bills, even though the Bills were their 6-6. They actually almost pulled off that upset, almost beat the Eagles. So they're a good football team, but I don't know. No one really deserves the 10 spot, but I gave it to the Bills. And these 10 teams, and this kind of gets to what Tom Brady was talking about, I think calling out the mediocre play, especially on offense in the National Football League. And all of these teams have a shot at the playoffs. Several of them are going to make the playoffs, but they all have flaws. You got the New Orleans Saints. Might have beat the Falcons except for that 90-plus yard pick six car through. The Green Bay Packers not impressed, although they are improving. Jordan Love seems to be getting in a groove now. The Minnesota Vikings, sorry, do not see it. Another team that went on a bit of a win streak there and then couldn't beat the Bears at home. The Pittsburgh Steelers, if we ended the season today, the Steelers would be a playoff team, and I'm just not feeling it for them either. We have our Rams, as good as we feel about the Rams right now at 5 and 6. We have to admit they have their issues. Never know when they're going to just throw an offensive dud out there shut out in a second half or shut out in a first half or give up a touchdown on the last play of the first half or Matthew Stafford throwing a pick six on the first play of the second half. Rams are a good football team, but I can't put them in the top 10 yet. The Seattle Seahawks, it's not happening for me, sorry. And the Las Vegas Raiders, a team that I have been impressed with over the last few weeks since they fired their coach, The Indianapolis Colts, a team I've pretty much ignored since the Rams beat, to be quite frank, but they are a playoff team as of today. The Cleveland Browns, what an incredible defense, but again, another team with serious quarterback issues. And then the Atlanta Falcons, they pulled off the big win over the Saints with Desmond Ritter playing quarterback. If you're trying to assess a team's chances of succeeding in getting to the playoffs and winning playoff games, you start with a quarterback, and that's why I don't have a lot of faith in the Atlanta Falcons. Now to my top 10. Number 10, I already mentioned the Buffalo Bills. Number 9, the Texans, two inches away from sending that Jags game into overtime. Number 8, the Detroit Lions played a dud of a game at home against the Packers on Thanksgiving Day. Jared Goff putting the ball on the ground a couple of times. One of them probably wasn't his fault. You know, Goff is a tough son of a gun. Very durable, but he does get a little sloppy with the ball under pressure. The Jags are my number seven team. Holton steady beat the Texans in that big game. They're going to end up winning that division. Number six, the Dallas Cowboys. They will be the five seed in the NFC almost for sure, and they will go on the road to demolish the NFC South champion. Number five, the Baltimore Ravens. Rams get them in a couple weeks. Ravens will be coming off a bye. Yep, the third team to play the Rams coming off a bye. Number four, the Kansas City Chiefs. Man, they were in trouble at first against the Raiders, but got it together. You know, if their offense, their wide receivers, start to play a little bit better, Chiefs will be a force to be reckoned with. They're probably going to run into my number three team at some point, the Miami Dolphins, Ravens, Chiefs, Dolphins. I think the AFC champion is going to be one of those three teams. And my number two team, the San Francisco 49ers. Quite a display on offense and defense against the Seahawks. Purdy did throw that bad interception, but other than that, it was all 49ers. And number one, the Philadelphia Eagles rallied to beat the Bills. So far, perhaps the game of the year crunch time. Philadelphia got it done. And we get to see those top two teams next week, the Eagles 49ers. That's going to be a lot of fun. A potential preview of the NFC Championship game. That's going to do it